before I leave. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to radio station EXP. Tonight we are featuring an interview with a very peculiar-looking gentleman who goes by the name of Mr. Paul Caruso on the dodgy subject of are there or are there not flying saucers or UFOs. Uh, please, Mr. Caruso, could you give us your regarded opinion on this nonsense about spaceships and even space people? Thank you. As you all know, you just can't believe everything you see in here, can you? Now, if you will excuse me, I must be on my way. I don't believe it. Hey, this is Steve Nash. You're listening to CITR 101.9, the home of the UBC Thunderbirds. Yeah. 
FM in Vancouver. This is CITR, and I'm Darren, and this is my show, Stereoscopic Readout, as always, from 6 p.m. on Thursdays. Um, And I'd like to start off with an apology to Anna and Julia, the girls from my science project, but uh, I think the guys from Crimes and Treasons set your pre-recorded show. Um, They went over by quite a bit, so I'm sorry I had to cut you off there, but... um, I was enjoying that, actually, uh, the 30th anniversary of Star Wars. I'd kind of forgotten about that. And uh, thanks for also dredging up that horrible um, Star Wars holiday uh, special from 1978 with a special guest appearance by B. Arthur. I'd forgotten about her. So uh, lots of unpleasant memories of that coming back. But uh, I'd like to carry on the theme today of anniversary specials because today... I'm going to be doing a special on the 40th anniversary of the Monterey Pop Festival. That was 40 years ago this weekend, uh, Friday the 16th through to Sunday the 18th, June 1967. Um, Why do a special on it? Well, it was, uh, for all intents and purposes, it was the world's first multi-day rock festival. Um, It was put together mainly by Lou Adler, who was the producer behind the Mamas and the Papas and Johnny Rivers and um, Eve of Destruction. What's his name? It'll come to me. Um, Barry Maguire. And uh, it was put together by him and a number of other people, such as John Phillips from the Mamas and the Papas and Johnny Rivers put some money up. And there was another person who kind of... Was I think Paul Simon was involved with the, uh, the, with that and uh, the Beatles publicist. There were the guy who was the publicist for the Beatles, Derek Taylor, and would be again in 1968 when Apple was started. He was doing the press for this festival, but uh, yeah, it was um, it was put on by the LA contingent, the hipsters, uh, with whom there were a lot of clashes leading up to the festival with the sort of more underground San Francisco contingent. Um, But they needed the San Francisco contingent to put a sort of like a hip spin on it. And um, because the whole 
ethos behind the festival was they wanted to put something together like, you know, jazz had the Newport Jazz Festival and Monterey Jazz Festival and jazz was being treated like an art form and you could play jazz at Carnegie Hall and folk had its own festivals and was, you know, seen as a respectable, proper musical medium. But rock and roll at the time was still this bastard child which wasn't getting much in the way of respect. And certainly in, you know, from 1965 and 66 onwards, like with the advent of Bob Dylan and Frank Zappa and the Beatles doing things like Revolver and Sgt. Peppers and the Rolling Stones. Uh, Jimi Hendrix hadn't hit, hadn't hit the scene yet. Um, there was an increasing um, opinion that rock and roll was becoming an art, uh, coming into its own as an art form and deserved to be treated or regarded as such. So the Monterey Pop Festival, the idea was born, and that was the whole thing behind it. Was It was supposed to promote rock and roll as a respectable artistic medium. Now... Um, if you look at the, you know, it was a three-day festival. If you look at the roster, which I'm going to read down to you, uh, Friday the 16th, it started off with the Association and was followed by the Poppers, which was a Canadian band from Toronto. They were the only Canadian band on the bill. Lou Rawls, uh, Beverly, Johnny Rivers, The Animals, and Simon and Garfunkel headlined the Friday. Saturday was headlined by Otis Redding, uh, being backed by Booker T and the MGs. But uh, the running order from that afternoon was Canned Heat, Big Brother and the Holding Company, Country Joe and the Fish, Al Cooper, the Butterfield Blues Band, Quicksilver Messenger Service, the Steve Miller Band, Electric Flag, Moby Grape, Hugh Masekela, The Birds, Laura Nairo, the Jefferson Airplane, and, of course, Otis Redding. And Sunday the 18th began with a uh, several hours' worth of performance by Ravi Shankar, uh, who, um, according to trivia, was the only person who was actually paid for his services that week, and all the other form- performers were sort of put on riders, but they basically performed gratis, um, the proceeds being go- going to the Monterey Pop F- Festival Foundation, which was a charitable organization, which it still exists today, and you know donates its money to various charitable causes. Uh, after Ravi Shankar were the Blues Project. Uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company played again, um, and the reason behind that was their manager refused to let D.A. Pennebaker, who made the film of the festival, he refused to let D.A. Pennebaker um, film them, and at that point they fired him on the spot and were picked up by Albert Grossman, who was Bob Dylan's manager, and he organized a second performance on the Sunday that was filmed. Uh, they were followed by the group with no name, and I have absolutely no idea who they are. <laughs> uh, Buffalo Springfield, The Who, The Grateful Dead, The Jimi Hendrix Experience, making their North American debut, and the Mamas and the Papas headlined. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to begin this rather special edition of Stereoscopic Readout with The Association. You see before you this evening a machine of our own construction you see an association machine composed of many integral parts. The first being behind us, a semi-reclined percussive invertebrator, or drummer. In the center of the machine, we see a digit-flexing instrumentator, or guitar. Towards the other end of the machine, we see a transistorized digit-flexing instrumentator stamped made in Japan. To my immediate right, we see a manifold of bifurcated tambourine chinger. I am a consistent low-range modulator. Last but not least, the largest single component in the machine, an elongated fluting vocalizator. This machine, when programmed correctly, emits a variety of sounds and rhythmic patterns. 
cannot foresee this thing happening to you. No, I see people walking by just in the summer clothes. I see them strolling by my happiness to close. Tell you black girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said I know that you the thing is black, I know. Since you Help me see you again, baby. Help me walk once more. And help me talk again, walk again, stand up like a man, baby. Since you've been gone, gone, there is no color in my life, baby. It's turning so very, very bone black. Hm. I walk down the street. I see a line of cars, maybe blue, maybe brown, maybe green, but they're turning black before my very eyes. And you could not know what it's like when your whole world is black, when everything you see and touch turns so very, very black. Oh, no. Need you by my side. Bring some color into my life once again. I even tripped down and fell. Didn't see no colors anymore. Bad, bad scene. I have to tell you, baby. The more will my gray seagull turn a deeper blue. I cannot foresee this thing ever happening to me. No! I see people walking by me.
Wednesday mornings on CITR from 8 to 10 a.m. It's the Suburban Jungle Show with your radio host, DJ Jack Velvet. Thrills, chills, excitement, and music. That's the Suburban Jungle Show, Wednesday mornings from 8 to 10 on 101.9 FM in Vancouver. You can also catch this show streaming and podcast at www.jackvelvet.net. Don't miss the Suburban Jungle Show, Wednesdays, 8 to 10, 101.9 FM, CITR. National Campus and Community Radio Conference and CITR present the NCRC Awards Night, June 15th, 9 p.m. at the Ukrainian Hall with the evaporators. The choir practice. And Chris Arific, come and celebrate with us Friday, June 15th. 9 p.m., $8 at the Ukrainian Hall, 805 East Bender, 19 and over only. Tickets available at Zulu, Scratch, High Life, and Red Cat Records.
That was live Quicksilver Messenger Service from Monterey Pop Festival itself. Um, actually, I just realized uh, that was quite, quite, quite a long set, and I didn't uh, give you the rundown. So from the top, and we st- began the show with two tracks by the Jimmy, Jimi Hendrix Experience, who made their live debut, live debut, debut in the United States uh, at the Monterey Pop Festival. Uh, started with EXP. That's from the Axis Bold as Love album, and followed that with Stars That Play with Laughing Sam's Dice, which is, or was, the B-side to the Burning of the Midnight Lamp single. Um, began the uh, Monterey Pop Festival portion of the show with the association that was also taken live from the festival itself. Uh, they were playing Along Comes Mary. Followed that with the Poppers, again, who were the only Canadian band uh, to appear on the bill. And uh, they did so by virtue of the fact that they were being managed at the time by Albert Grossman, who was Bob Dylan's manager and was also the manager of a couple of other acts there, um, including, as it turned out, uh, Janis Joplin of Big Brother and the Holding Companies, Holding Company singular not plural uh the animals or eric burden and the animals with their version of the stones paint it black heard janice joplin and big brother in the holding company with ball and chain followed that with steve the steve miller band um you know i they kind of uh they're basically the staple of rock 101 but they were um they were around since you know mid the mid 60s in the san francisco scene and that was song for our ancestors taken from their second album um it was released in 68 i think was it 68 or 69 and last but not least what you just heard was the quicksilver messenger service um so yes the Jimi hendrix experience making their north american debut at the festival, uh, along with this next band, who also has a Jimi Hendrix connection with their drummer, Buddy Miles, who was involved with Hendrix's Band of Gypsies performance at the Fillmore East in, on New Year's Day in 1970. This is Mike Bloomfield and the Electric Flag.
there to light. When they get drunk, they start fighting on her. Knocking down windows, breaking down doors, drinking half gallons of shot for more. Hey, baby. Hey, baby.
the television. I'm sure that they'll edit this out. I want to say it anyway, even though they will edit it out. When President Kennedy was killed, he was not killed by one man. He was shot from a number of different directions by different guns. The story has been suppressed. Witnesses have been killed. And this is your country, ladies and gentlemen.
And that is the late Otis Redding. Um, Otis headlined the Saturday evening bill, and uh, he kind of got shoved into that spot um, at, with little notice, or with a beef. I mean, there was a few days' notice, but essentially what happened was um, it, the Beach Boys were booked to headline the Saturday. Uh, the Saturday program and they backed out and there are many or there's a number of um, speculative reasons why that was uh, one was it's been suggested that uh, mainly it was because of Brian Wilson's breakdown in the wake of the aborted uh, smile LP project but um, he'd stopped he'd already stopped playing live with the Beach Boys uh, I mean the previous year um, his place being taken by Glenn Campbell on the bass guitar. Um, it was also suggested that they felt that um, they wouldn't really fit in. There. They felt that they were a bit commercial or that the sort of hip San Francisco contingent would really kind of see them as being a bit too um, commercial to be headlining the festival. And it's also been um, expounded that Mike Love of the Beach Boys objected to the fact that this festival was being partly sponsored by Coca-Cola and he thought it was a big conspiracy to get the uh, the youth of America hooked on Coca-Cola. Um, and I think, you know, the way that pop companies are sponsoring festivals nowadays, maybe that could be true. Uh, started that set with uh, Electric Flag, which was Mike Bloomfield's project after he left uh, the Butterfield Blues Band. Um featuring Buddy Miles eventually of Hendrix's Band of Gypsies project on drums there. Um, they made their national debut at the Monterey Pop Festival, uh, but they were only around, they were only really around for a little bit. Uh, Mike Bloomfield leaving them less than a year later. Uh, followed that with another San Francisco act, Moby Grape, uh, with Omaha. Uh, Hugh Masakela, um, 
Humas Akela was added to the bill after the birds sort of suggested him. They'd worked with him on the So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star single. He played trumpet. He was responsible for the, uh, I think his big hit in the 60s was Grazing in the Grass. Uh, followed that with the birds. And uh, preceded the, it's preceded Eight Miles High with David Crosby's infamous political statements uh, before they went into playing. He was a friend of mine. And that was one of the reasons why David Crosby was eventually canned from the birds later that year. Um, they were basically, they felt uncomfortable with his um, constant sort of drug references. I mean, you know, if you see the film of, uh, or the outtakes performances film from Monterey, he goes on stage with this big STP sticker on his guitar, makes that statement. Um, and then uh, he felt, they, the band felt that he was sort of jeopardizing their sort of uh, commercial appeal by uh, doing things like that. And then uh, later on, the, the, I think the, the basically the final straw was when he wrote a song called Triad, which was basically about his menage a trois relationship he was living in at the time. And uh, boom, that was it. He was out of the band, followed the birds with Laura Nairo. Now, who's Laura Nairo? Laura Nairo, if you're not familiar, is really one of the uh, great... Um, one of the one of the great sort of could have beens of popular music. Laura was uh, responsible for writing sort of late '60s standards like "Wedding Bell Blues," which you heard, and "Stone Soul Picnic," which were both recorded by the Fifth Dimension, and the song "And When I Die," which was recorded by Blood, Sweat, and Tears. But she never really went on to much commercial success of her own, and unfortunately, she was actually booed off the stage at Monterey. Um, I think it, it would probably be due to, you know, I think she was doing the Carol King kind of um, singer-songwriter thing basically five years before her time. She was, in, in effect, ahead of her time in that way, but she was also kind of almost, uh, I wouldn't say Elizabeth, so kind of Victorian in some of her lyrical content. Um, Eli and the 13th Angel, which is her sort of big... Um, or her her most well known album uh, in the title track of that song, basically Eli is it's it's written from the point of view of a woman who's having an affair with an avenging angel from heaven. Um, yeah, it was very unfortunate. She never really got the recognition she deserved, and uh, it was quite unfortunate that she was booed at Monterey. But you know, I think it was it was a hippie contingent. It was a sort of a slick. LA contingent that was actually making up most of the audience and they weren't really prepared for that sort of folk and soul amalgamation kind of thing. Um, I followed her with the Jefferson Airplane and to, and the song Today and uh, if you've seen the Monterey Pop film by D.A. Pennebaker, it's rather ironic. There's two tracks. They do... Um, they do a version of that with a really good harpsichord sound on it but the problem is is that when they were editing the film because um, Grace Slick used to uh, like sort of lip sync along to whatever Marty Ballin was singing, even if her mic wasn't on. They assumed that she was singing the song, so it's kind of like you, you see her kind of quote-unquote singing the song, whereas it's really Marty Ballin, and apparently Marty was well pissed when he saw the final edit of the uh, film. And the last off the top there was the late Otis Redding. And Otis, the Monterey Pop Festival was actually Otis Redding's big sort of break into commercial success. He, that was the event which made him... Uh, the event really made a bunch of acts, obviously Jimi Hendrix, obviously... Uh, I'm blanking. I shouldn't blank. 
Janis Joplin. Uh, broke Janis Joplin wide open, broke The Who wide open in North America, and broke Otis Redding over, over, wide open to a uh, mainstream audience. Because he was basically, he was, he was having a certain amount of success with Stax, um, the Stax label out of Memphis. And he'd also had a number one hit uh, with the song Respect, but that had been recorded by Aretha Franklin. It wasn't until, and he, he actually died later in 1967 in a plane crash while he was on tour. But he would ironically hit number one with his own performance of one of his own songs sitting on the dock of the bay later in 1968. So uh, we're running into the last 15 minutes of the show. Uh, I'm Darren. Once again, this is the show Stereoscopic Readout, and I am doing today a special for the 40th anniversary of the Monterey Pop Festival. Everything I've been playing is by bands that played the show. Uh, or played the festival and in some cases there are the actual recorded performances from the festival uh coming up in 15 minutes at 7 30 bleak will be in with exquisite corpse and that will be followed at nine by live from thunderbird radio hell and um yeah i'm going to see what i can get to um and I'm kind of debating whether or not I want to play some Grateful Dead because they did play the festival, but I'm wondering if that might be pushing my luck a little bit too much. But I think it may be advantageous for me to sort of dangle that threat over your head like the sort of Damocles. But anyway, I'm going to start off with some Buffalo Springfield. This is Bluebird. Listen to my Bluebird laugh she can't tell you why Deep within her heart you see She knows all I cry Just like yeah. There she sits aloft at birds Strangest color blue
Eddie Cochran's old ones, one from Summertime Blues.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 